Welcome to another episode of Perspectives by Women in Securities Finance. My name is Nicole Jafuni, and I head up Human Resources, Finance, and Business Management for Equiland. I'm also a leader of our Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that I'm particularly passionate about, increasing diversity and inclusion within the industry through recruitment and networking. This is a key focus for Equiland in 2021, and I look forward to discussing strategies with today's guest, Anita Hill-Sands. Anita is a managing partner of Intuition Financial Placement and an executive recruiting firm that she founded over 15 years ago. Anita, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, Nicole, thank you so much. And I'm also really excited about this topic. It's very timely. As far as my background, I know many of the people in the organization, but I started this search firm, as you mentioned, 15 years ago, but I began my career at Merrill Lynch in securities lending. And I started off on the international securities lending. I then went to Tokyo and I opened up the office in Japan for the securities lending desk. And then when I came back to New York, I was looking for a new challenge and I worked briefly on the repo desk. And then I moved over to the Delta One swap product and traded that. It was just becoming popular at that time. And then after being at Merrill for 15 years, I realized that I wanted to make a change and I ended up going to Bear Stearns for a short time, also in international securities lending. And then I got recruited out of Bear to run the equity finance desk of a French bank called CIC. And I ran all of their financing business and started their US broker dealer. And then in 2005, there was a merger and they shut down. And then I started the search firm and I've been doing that ever since. That's great. Thank you. I think we have a lot to cover today. So I'm just going to dive right in. Something I think a lot of people are talking about is how has COVID-19 changed the recruiting landscape? And are there things that are different now that job seekers are looking for that they weren't before COVID? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I mean, it's very interesting. I would say from last March when it first kicked off until the summer, there was nothing happening. Like people Mm -hmm. were just shell-shocked. They didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what was happening. And so there was zero recruiting going on, as well as many firms saying we're not going to get rid of anybody during this time, there won't be any layoffs. So the normal turnover that you saw didn't happen. But in conversations with people towards the end of the year, most of the clients that I work with and many people in the industry were saying there's going to be a lot of turnover. People were going to be upgrading, there's going to be new positions. And so in terms of activity, it's been extremely active. And one thing that happened, which is interesting, is everything is moving much faster in terms of when people get placed, because it used to be you would have to meet somebody and then you have to schedule a meeting and they have to have a doctor's appointment to go into the office. Right, right. And it becomes like a long process, whereas now I can call somebody and then the next day say, okay, we have an interview and people have time to do it via Zoom. So I think that that has really picked up in terms of the pace of the searches. And that's why there ha- you see a lot of movement recently. And I think that's one of the reasons for it. Yeah, things that we had to do in person before we can now do remotely. Yeah. And that's changed how we work. And it's something that will likely change how we work going into the future. I think it's been helpful from a DNI perspective because as employees have more ability to be flexible, more people can work from home, which is helpful for anyone who's taking care of someone else. Also, something that we're seeing is because remote working is expanding, our talent pool is expanding. So before, if we were just looking for talent in the New York metro area, 
we do have a lot of talent here, but we were still limited. And now the world is our talent pool. And I think yeah. it's really exciting and it does open up from a DNI perspective as well. And in terms of for you guys, when you are thinking about people that are remote, what about down the line? Are you thinking that you're going to be having people come back to work in the office? And how is that going to play into it all? So I think it is fluid. We haven't made any firm decisions yet. We are definitely going to have people come back into the office and there will be a component of working from home. But we're trying to see how things unfold and putting the safety of our employees as the number one priority, obviously. And we found we are able to work very well and very effectively remotely, but we are eager to get back to the office as well. So it's definitely important to attract new talent. And as I was talking about, expand our talent pool. But it's also really important from a diversity standpoint to focus on staff retention. And this is the Women in Securities Finance podcast. So what tips do you have for women to keep them moving up the ranks within the industry and staying at their firms? I think that it's really important to communicate and ask what you're looking for. And and I noticed that a lot of people now are when they're getting the new conversations and thinking about going, they're saying, well, what's my current firm going to do? You know, are they going to be flexible? And as you said, it's very fluid. So I think it's really uncertain right now. I think that there's a lot of people just don't know how it's going to go. Everyone's kind of wondering everyone. I think the hedge funds are taking the lead. It seems like a lot of the funds are talking about September at this point to come back potentially, partially, somewhat, you know. So I like your word of fluid. It's very fluid right now and uncertain in terms of that. Yeah, definitely. So what tips do you have for women to keep them moving up the ranks within the industry? I think that's a great question. And I can tell you a story about a recent client and what he had said to me. It was a very senior man at a large prime broker. And I was introduced to him and he said, what I want to do is I want you to introduce me to diverse candidates because I want to get to know them. And I'm not even saying today I have a job for them. But what I'm saying is that I think what happens is when somebody resigns, we're in a rush and we turn around and we say, who do we know? And who do we know? We know the white guy, basically. That's who we know. That's our network. And so we don't think of it. So what I want to do with these people is I want to build this bench, if you will, so that I will think of them in the future. But that requires, I think, from a candidate point of view also to take the call, to be in the conversation. And you don't even have to be looking for a job. I mean, I think what's interesting is he asked me initially for a list of five people and two of those people who I knew well. So I said, hey, do me a favor. Let me put you on the list. Two of them were already in the process of moving and they weren't even interested in a job. Both of them. I can tell you, like I called them and said, like, because I know you, but I think it's really important to just get to know people. And I even noticed within this organization, I would love to see more connectivity among people. You know, I think that the idea is fantastic. I think what Ariane, Jill, and Alana did was amazing to put this together. But what I would love to see is people take it a step further. You know, there's a LinkedIn page. People in this, if you're listening to this, go into the LinkedIn page, link in to 10 people that you didn't know. Just start to know them. And I think it's important to make a first connection, but a lot of times people do do that initial, but they don't follow up and just sort of check in. Hey, we work in the same business. We should know each other. And you don't have to be looking for something from them at that point. At this point, it's just connectivity over time. And that is 
how things happen and how people consider you for jobs because they know you. They might ask you to speak on a panel. Absolutely raise your hand for a panel. You know, these are things just for yourself too to get to know people. Yeah, I think you made a lot of excellent points. Securities finance in particular is a relationship business. It is about who you know. So it's important that everyone is focused on networking and making sure that they come to mind when somebody has an opportunity. And I also love that the person that you mentioned, the senior man, is thinking about it from his perspective too, because we see this all the time. We have a job opening and we need to hire somebody quickly. And so you don't have time always to expand your talent pool and to look outside your network. A lot of times we do utilize our network. So it's vital that your network is already in place. So I love that tip. Thank you. I also do think there's a comfort level because you know somebody over time. You know, sometimes it takes a while to get comfortable with hiring somebody and, you know, like when I spoke, there was an event that we did a few years ago it was a fireside chat with Ariane at Morgan Stanley and very few people really connected with me after, but one of the people did come up to me and actually now is in the process of getting a new job. And at the time was not even really looking for a job, but we got to know each other. She reached out, she kept in touch with me. And, you know, this is how it goes. And I can tell you from my own experience, when I worked at Merrill, I was there for 15 years. I was very happy. Every time a recruiter would call me, I would just hang up the phone. I wouldn't even take their I felt terrible about that now. And uh, I never knew anybody. So when I decided to leave, two things happened. Number one, people said, oh, she wouldn't leave because I was there so long. So they were afraid to even engage because they thought I wouldn't leave. So that was definitely a problem. And the two was that I didn't know anybody outside. So that became a problem. And I think that the reason I did get the job at Bear is because I knew the person who was running Bear. And I said, hey, can we go to lunch and maybe brainstorm? And she said, well, why don't you come work for me? You know, you have to put your head up because people right. are really good at putting their head down, but you have to really always be working to know people in the industry. I think that makes a lot of sense. What would you say to somebody who's maybe just starting out and intimidated to reach out to other women or men within the industry, they feel like they don't have anything to offer. So how can someone who's more junior start to build a network? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, first of all, just generally, people love to talk about themselves. <laughs> and I think that, you know, you just kind of ask someone about their background and the story. But when you reach out, you're not asking for anything. You're not going to say, like, I'm looking for a job. Like, that's not right. when you reach out. You want to reach out just to get to know somebody. If you hear somebody speak on a panel or, you know, I have to be honest, I never listen to any of these podcasts. Um, <laughs> but then when they asked us to do it, I said, oh, I should listen. And when I listened to the last one, it was so good. And I reached out to all the women that spoke and connected with them on LinkedIn or via email to say like, hey, that I really enjoyed what you had to say. And, you know, I think that's the way you can form these relationships organically and just get to know people over time because actually that is what I think and I hate to generalize in this, but men are just much better at that. I know like if I have a search and I call a man, I'll say, do you know anybody? And I'll say, oh yeah, call my buddy, this guy, you know. But when I call a woman, many times I'll say, well, I don't know if I can really stand behind the person. I'm not sure I could recommend them. I'm not sure how good they are, you know. And so that hurts everybody. It hurts the whole circle. Right. And I think that just like you know, it has to do with just being comfortable to get to know people. But if you know people, then you would be able to say like, hey, you know what, I'm not interested, but why don't you call Nicole? And right. organically, like these relationships get developed, but it takes time. It's like a friendship, really. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. So Anita, a lot of what you've talked about is learning how to play the game, which I think is really important. 
you know, in order to be successful today, you need to play by the rules. But I think it's equally important to focus on changing the rules of the game. So in the past, success is designed to reward a certain type of person, typically a white male. We know that it's really important to have diverse perspectives and to amplify different voices and have different people in the room because it's the right thing to do. But it also makes financial sense. There are all these studies time and time again about how diverse companies financially outperform companies that are less diverse. So I think that all of your tips and everything, it makes a lot of sense for today, but I think it's important for companies to start thinking about how they can change the rules a little bit to let others in. Yeah. Anita, another topic that comes up a lot and I think would be important for our listeners to hear about is what do you think about compensation and how you advocate for yourself and why it's important to do so? Yeah, I think that's a great question. It's interesting too, because I was speaking with a senior leader at a prime broker and he manages a lot of people. And he told me it was very interesting because in the recent comp session that went by, every single one of the men on his team made it into his office. They might've been talking about football to begin with or something, but they worked their way around to that comp conversation and not one woman on his team did. And I just find that astounding. And I think that in terms of compensation, it's a difficult conversation, but you need to have it. That is a good place also to call a recruiter and say, hey, what should I be making? Which by the way, is what the person who I just recently placed, that's how it kicks off our conversation. Of like, am I in the market? And then you'll find out, yes, you are in the market or no, you're not. But unless you know people, again, it goes back to your network because if you don't know people, then you can't ask that question. And that's the best way to do it. And really, you should always be trying to get more money. So I think it's really important to have those conversations and they are awkward and they are difficult, but you need to be armed with information. So you need to go in, you need to have a sense of where you should be, and then you can have that conversation. That being said, I do think that most firms, and you can let me know your thoughts on this, but as an HR person, it's very hard for them to make really big jumps. So if you really are far under, many times you will have to make a move in order to mark to market. So that is a little bit of a challenge, but it's something that I'd be curious kind of your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I think this is another scenario of play the game while also changing the game, right? So I heard early in my career also that women never ask for more money. So I made it a point to not follow suit and to make sure that I was always asking for more. And I think that that's a really good tip for people. But it is important also for companies to pay equitably and to be looking at their comp parity across gender and race and all other demographics to make sure that they're not putting certain people at an advantage. So the person who's more assertive and feels comfortable going to their manager, asking more money versus someone who may be more introverted. We want to make sure that we're not putting all of the onus on the individual. But I fully agree with you that it's important to always ask for what you're worth. So Anita, it seems like one of your central themes is that networking is vital to success in any industry, but in particular, this industry. Can you talk a little bit more about some practical tips the listeners can take so that they can start networking? So let's say someone has no network at all. So how do they begin? First of all, obviously internally. So make sure like within your organization, and it's not just women, I I don't want to really make it about just like women connecting with women, because you want to connect with everyone. But really within your organization, try to get to know people. And you know, it's a little bit more challenging during this time because 
you are in a situation where you're not physically with the people, you're not stopping by people's desks, but pick up the phone and call somebody. Like I think a little bit people are zoomed out or with Teams or whatever platform you're using. So I'm not recommending to ask someone to do a Zoom because I just think people are like, oh, not enough Zoom. But it wouldn't be bad to just call somebody on the phone. And like I said earlier, people love talking about themselves. They just do. Everyone has an interesting story to tell as well. So I think that within your organization, that is something that you could do is just ask for a phone call and try to get to know people that way. But within this organization, this this is a powerful organization. There's, I don't know how many members there are at this point, I think over 300. And on the LinkedIn page, like just write to people on the page and also make sure that your LinkedIn profile is professional, that you have a professional photo. When I say professional, I don't mean that it has to be done by an, a photographer, but you're in a professional attire. It's a headshot and make sure that the body of the LinkedIn profile does say what you do because a lot of recruiters look through LinkedIn for candidates. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you're looking for. What do you think is important in a LinkedIn profile for people to include? Like you said, I think that the photo is key, but also making sure it's up to date. There are no spelling errors, something that's so simple, like spell check really makes a big difference. And you'd be surprised how many people have spelling errors on their LinkedIn profile or their resume. I'm very surprised by it, but just be meticulous with the the details for this, because this is your public facing page. And this is the first impression that people are going to have of you even before you interview. Yeah. And so you're like, this is not just if you're looking for a job because clients, if you have a, a new client, they look you up on LinkedIn. People look up, they want to see your picture. They want to read about you. So this is just for your internal marketing as well. You could stay in your job for the next 50 years. And I would still ask that you work on your LinkedIn profile, because I think that is a little bit of a pitfall as well, that people think like, oh, I don't need it. I'm not going to leave. But it doesn't matter because clients, everybody, that is the world now. People Google you. People look you up. I mean, I remember when I first started recruiting and the candidates would say to me, oh, I Googled you. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like now it's just like what people do. So it doesn't matter. Like if you're working on a securities lending desk and you have a new client or a hedge fund, they're going to look you up. And so you want to make a presentation for yourself. And I think that getting out of that mindset of like, this is a job search, because it's not, this is about promoting yourself and your career. And I think that that is really important. Yep. So everyone, you heard it here first, update your LinkedIn profile, make sure you have a professional picture and everything's up to date. And while you're at it, you could reach out to other people within the Women in Securities Finance Group to connect. So I think we've covered a lot today. And I just want to wrap up by saying if our listeners take nothing else from this podcast, what is the one thing that you would want them to remember? You know what I'm going to say is to connect with other people in this organization. I think it's so important. I don't see it happening enough and I would love it to happen more. Use this resource. This is a fantastic vehicle. Connect with people within this organization, get to know them. I think that in terms of yourself and your profile, having your resume together is good for internally. Even if you're not looking for a job, I always tell people, This is a way for you to go and speak to your boss about what you've accomplished throughout the year. So every year, update your resume, have that on the ready. But the most important thing is just to connect because people need to think of you. That's the game. And it goes back to what my client said of like, who do we think of when we're in a pinch? And you want to be one of the people that comes to mind. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. 
Anita, I think your tips about networking are extremely important. And you and I are both active members of the Women in Securities Finance Group, but we didn't really know each other. So having this avenue has been great so that we could connect. And I look forward to connecting with others of you throughout the coming weeks. We always encourage you to follow up with the group to suggest other topics. If there's something you want to hear about, feel free to let us know. You can look for the Women in Securities Finance website. And if you're also interested in hosting an episode or participating in one of the episodes, you can reach out there as well. Thank you so much, Nita. It's been great to talk to you today. We covered a lot of important things and you had some real practical tips for our listeners. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Take care.